Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. Welcome to the training center. We are so grateful that you joined us here online as well this morning or by way of even recording. I don't believe that you came here by accident, but I believe that the Lord has a word for you on this morning. And if you just release your faith, there's something that's going to happen, I believe, this morning. Amen. Now, I want to also make this announcement that um, just make a reiteration of the fact that on this coming Saturday, we have our first marriage seminar. Our first marriage seminar will be uh, here at our building um, at 1314 West 2nd Avenue in Gastonia, North Carolina. We're going to be talking about everything pertaining to marriage and if we can really say doing life together or agreement, understanding the power of agreement. And we're going to look at that and we're going to use some practical applications. It's going to be a time of fellowship. And if you're a part of this church, and if you're not a part of this church, we want to invite you to come be a part of this seminar. I believe it will be a blessing to you as we look at these areas concerning marriage. Everyone did say amen. Let me also make reference to the fact that if you have a prayer request and you are in need of us standing with you in agreement, prayer, you can scan the QR code and then you can send that directly to us here at the church and we will receive that. You can remain anonymous through this uh, function as well. But uh, you, can, uh, you can just send it to us and we'll just set ourselves in agreement with what you are believing God for in your life as well. Amen. Uh, one more thing, let me say in regards to our marriage seminar. Uh, if you are coming, because I did get some feedback from some folks in the community, if you are coming, it is, of course, free and open to the public, uh, no charge in regards to it. But if you could do us the honor of letting us know that you are coming, um, then that would be great so that we can prepare for those that we are not aware of that are coming. Amen. We just ask that you would do so. And I think online on our Facebook page, there is a little link that's right at the top. All you have to do is click on that so to let us know that you are, in fact, coming to the marriage seminar. And we can, uh, you know, prepare the house for your presence at that time. Or they can call the church as well. Amen. And just let us know that you're coming so we can prepare. But bless God, if you don't let us know that you're coming, come on anyway. In Jesus' name, we'll, we'll just make do with... Uh, what we have to do. Amen? Well, all right. That's enough in the way of commercials. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter number four. Second Corinthians chapter number four. And I want to look once again, which is not in the slide. We're going to start here at verse number eight. Notice Paul is saying by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he starts, he says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9 says, persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And then let's look at verse number 13. He says, we having the same, watch this, spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. He says, we also believe, and therefore speak. Paul, you're telling me that you can be in a position in your life where we are troubled on every side and yet not be distressed? Because if I'm not mistaken, sometimes with believers, you, you, you're under the impression when you're in trouble on every side, you, they look like distressed people, they look like they're under pressure, and yet he says that 
in this situation, you can be in a position where you have trouble on every arena of your life, and he says, and yet not be distressed. That's fascinating. We are perplexed, but not in despair. He says we are persecuted, but not forsaken. Because sometimes when you get persecuted, you're like, you know, Lord, are you still there? Can you, can you make a cloud do this? Or can you make this happen? Because I am being persecuted, oh God. But he says we are not in despair. He says we are cast down, but not destroyed. Why? Because we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written. I believe, therefore, I have spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. And then that's when he gets into verse number 17. Later on, he begins, he says, for our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He says, these light afflictions that you are in the midst of, things looking really, really bad, things looking like it ain't going to, this time it's going to take us under. He says, they are working for you, a more internal weight of glory. These things, God is indeed making what the devil meant for evil. He's going to turn it around for your good, but he needs you to stay in the position of faith. Verse 18, watch this. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he says, how do you have this same spirit of faith? You got to consider what you are focusing in on. Are you focusing in on the problem or are you focusing in on what God has yet promised through and by his word? Turn over to Hebrews chapter number nine once again. Chapter number four, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter number four. Hebrews chapter number four and let's look once again at what I believe is the theme for this year. Verse number nine. The scripture says this. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. And verse 11, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. To labor to rest. What does he mean? To labor, to move to a position of confidence. The same God that did it back then, he's still the same today. The same God that brought you out last time, he still can do it today. Nothing's changed with God. The question is, have you changed and moved to a position of unbelief? Am I allowing the circumstances to speak louder to me than what God is saying? And if I am, I am seeing a position or I'm seeing where I am moving to a position where I am being distracted. Turn over to Mark chapter number four. I want to show you this and we get started in just a sec. Mark chapter number four. <clears throat> Mark chapter number four. And I, and I think it's important that we understand a principle here. So when God gives you a word, that's exactly what he gives you, a word. He says, this is what shall be. This is what's going to happen. He said to Mary, you're going to give birth, 
But he didn't say to Mary, in just a little while, they're going to think you were committing fornication out of town. In just a little while, Mary, they're going to, your, your, your patrol is going to be looking at you with the side eye. In just a little while, Mary, you won't be living and residing in Nazareth. You're going to be living in a foreign country. In just a little while, Mary, all of these things are attached to that one word from God. And the question is whether or not you're going to stick with you believe. Or are you going to allow light afflictions to refocus your attention, distractions to refocus you away from what God said. Now notice this out of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Watch this, verse 14. 16, I believe, is actually in the slides, but let's look at verse 14. It says, the source of the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they heard, Satan cometh immediately. And taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. He says, all right, the word is sown. God gives you a word. But if it doesn't have any root in you, Satan shows up immediately and says, give me that. <laughs> that ain't for you. And if it ain't in you, he can take it from you. Some of the stuff that we're going through right now is because of the fact God wants to know, is it in you yet? That word he gave you, is it in you yet? Or is it something that you've mentally ascended to? Is it something that, an issue, something small, can just come in your life and take that word away from you? Verse number 16, watch this. He says, and these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they heard the word immediately received it with gladness. I've seen this myself. Even in the life of this church, a lot of people, you know, God has already talked to them about joining the church. They receive the word with gladness. And then they show up and they see, maybe it's not what you thought. Or there's an issue that shows up, or the distance is a problem. He says, watch this. They heard it, but they received the word from God with gladness. Verse number 17. But watch this. And have no root in themselves. And so endured. Let's stop there. So they did have a level of endurance according to this scripture. They did have a time when, yeah, they were walking with God. They did have some areas of staying power. But look, notice that he says, but for a time. Their endurance had a limit to it. Their endurance, yeah, you did. Yes, you did. You believed God and yes, you did for a couple of months. And then there was a time limit when you said, God, you're taking too long. Or you said, no, this thing is taking too long. He says, endure but for a time, but he said, but afterwards, notice this, when afflictions or persecutions arise, persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately, notice this, they are offended. Now, we can look at the persecution part because we looked at that just a second ago where Paul talks about being persecuted, did we not? But notice he says, Paul says, <clears throat> For our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And Jesus says in this parable, and have no root in themselves and endure for a while. So it must be that it's not that you've not endured, but you don't have no staying power. 
you don't have any lasting power in your life. And he says, for a while. But he says, but when afflictions, because they do come, you don't see them as light afflictions. You see them as big afflictions or persecutions arise. And he says, for the word's sake. Whatever God called you to do, however he called you into a particular area, you got to understand afflictions are going to come and persecution is going to come. But he says, why does it come? It comes for the word's sake. What does the word affliction mean here? It comes from a Greek word which literally means pressure. So we can say when pressures arise for the word's sake. It also means anguish. When anguish arrives for the word's sake. It also means this word burden. When a burden arises, it means trouble. It means tribulation. So when trouble shows up, you've got to understand why that trouble is there. It's there to move you from focusing your attention on what God said and focusing in on defeat. And you got to make sure that you, you recognize these distractions when they show up. And this is the reason why we have this assignment this morning. Because one of the things that is being deployed amongst us is distraction so that you will refocus away from what God said to focus in on the distractions. The other stuff. The things that want to draw your attention away from what God spoke to you. What does the word, once again, focus actually mean? Because I want to make sure when I'm using these terms, we are all on the same page. When I'm saying focus, it means the adjustment for distant vision. When you focus in on something, you got to make an adjustment so that you can see that vision. An adjustment for distance of your vision. You are attempting to see something beyond what you are currently, what, what, what's easy to see, if we can say it like that. It also means the state or the condition of permitting clear perception or understanding. Permitting clear perception and understanding. You know, when you get into an area where you are offended at God, it will prevent you from having clear understanding. Because now I don't believe nothing God said. I, I don't want to hear what you have to say, Lord. And God said, that's the reason why I can't talk to you any further because you have gotten offended. You don't understand, you got offended, and you walked away. Your endurance was limited. And he says, until you get to the position where you have clear focus, that's when you won't, that's when you will receive understanding of the circumstances that you are in fact going through. Focus also means direct attention. When I'm focusing on something, I am giving it my full and direct attention. Now, what is distractions? A distraction is a thing that prevents someone from concentrating on something else. It is defined as a thing that prevents you from concentrating. We can say that at its rudimentary form. It is a disturbance, an interference. It is an interruption. It is a diversion. It is a preoccupation, if you will. The word diversion literally means something that's being sent somewhere different from where it was originally intended to go. Something that, that shows up in your life that wants to divert you from the divine thing that God called you, in fact, to do. That word that you believe in God for. 
So I've said in the past and I'll say again this morning, my definition is that a distraction is a thing that is designed to refocus your attention away from your mission and your assignment. Now, every time I begin talking about this, I am clearly aware that a distraction is going to show up right in this point in time. And if you were live in the house, you will hear the distraction that shows up. Every time I get to talking about distraction, a distraction shows up. I remember back at Irwin Center when God began to talk to me about some of these areas and I see it a little differently than I did back then and I started talking about it, stuff began to happen. Cameras went out, stuff fell down, all kinds of stuff happened because of the fact God was saying, do you see that when you have a mission, when you have an assignment, the devil says, I gotta get on them, I gotta get on them quick so that you can move from being focused and having your attention on something else. And unfortunately for a lot of folks, what happens is when issues show up in your life, you start focusing on the issue of your life. And little by little, if you're not careful, you're going to get offended at God because God's taking too long to manifest this thing. Offense is one of the biggest issues that believers have to fight against in order to move into a position of manifestation. You remember it was in the wilderness that the children of Israel, as soon as they had an issue, as soon as there was a problem, the first thing they said to Moses is, why did you bring us out here into this wilderness? How, why are we come this far out here? I am convinced that what God is doing in our life, he's working out the complaints out of you. So that you will stop coming to him complaining about what you see and refocus your attention on what he said. He said this, you see that. Quit talking to him about what you see, which he says is temporal. He says, focus in on what I said. If I said it, I got a way to get you from where you currently are to the place that I showed you. My definition again of distractions is a thing designed to refocus your attention away. Away from the mission. Away from the assignment. First Peter chapter number five. Let's look there. First Peter chapter number five. Let's look there once again. And let's look at verse number eight. The scripture says this. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Notice he says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplishing your brother that are in the world. The Amplified says, withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset. He says, how am I supposed to be firm in my faith? Be rooted. Well, what does it mean to be rooted? Have development in you. Be rooted. Have a development on the inside of you. He says, essentially, establish. What does it mean? Having or being or having been in existence for a long time. When he says to be established in something, he's indicating or he, there's a direct correlation to this word endure. When somebody has been established for a while, we mean that they've been enduring for a long time. This restaurant has been established since 1929. What are they saying? They have seen the ups, they've seen the downs, and they are still here. He says, be rooted, be established. Notice he says, 
strong, immovable, strong, immovable. That literally means be fixed. When the winds of life show up, when issues of life show up, I'm fixing this position. Having done all to stand, I, demand, I make a determination, I'm going to stay right here. All of y'all go around the wayside, y'all can do this, but I'm sticking with what God said. He says, strong, immovable, and then he uses the term determined, which means resolved, not to change. The word determined means resolved. Too many wishy-washy believers. You do whatever you want to. You go wherever you want to go. You are in, you out. You got the issue, you get offended, you gone. God says, I can't use folks like that. I need people that will be rooted, established, strong, and immovable, and determined. If you want to be used of God to do great exploits, he's looking for you to make a change. All right. So we're looking at six types of distractions that the enemy, in fact, uses. Six types of distractions that the enemy uses. And, and we're, of course, not going to look at everything as we did previously, but we're going to, I'm going to review, and then we're going to pick up with one particular area or two particular areas, and then we're going to close. Six types of distractions the enemy uses. Number one, we talked about last week, is seemingly positive attention grabbers. Seemingly positive things or attention grabbers. And we got to get to the position where we are discerning whether or not this thing that's trying to grab my attention that seems even positive, is this a distraction? Is God calling me to pay attention to this? Or is it something that, that he's saying, no, you don't need to do that. But Lord, I like to do that. I enjoy doing this particular thing, but this is not what your assignment is right now. And we got to discern when something even that seems positive shows up in our life, is that intended to grab our attention and distract us away from the mission and the assignment? We often tell our daughter, you got to do what you got to do so you can do what you want to do. And the reason why we tell her this is because I remember in high school, a lot of folks did what they wanted to do. And then later on, because they did what they wanted to do, now they got to do what they have to do. You got to find a job somewhere doing something that you do not like, something that you're not interested in because you got to do what you have to do. But if you flip that thing around and do what you have to do first and let that be the seed that you put in the ground, then God says the harvest will be you get to do what you want to do. That's the problem. So when I am being distracted with an intention grabber, it is to get me away from the mission, get me away from the assignment so that I can get to the one. So I will sow the seed of what I want to do right now and I'll receive a harvest of I can't do nothing else but what I got to do later on. The intention is to stop a disciplined progression. It is to stop a disciplined progression. And even last year, you know, some folks say, well, bless God, I'm going to do what I heard Reverend say. We reading this book this month. Yes, we are. You got your Bible out. Maybe you did this. And next thing you know, phone ring. <laughs> oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to spend this time in prayer. Next thing you know, this happened. And it wasn't always necessarily something bad. But it was an attention grabber. You said, I'm going to focus in this year. 2023, bless God, this is going to be my year. And you said, I'm doing this. And next thing you know, an opportunity comes over there. And here you go. It is intended to stop a discipline progression. What is God's solution for attention grabbers? It is discipline. Discipline. Yes, you could do that. But I'm not going to because 
That's not the mission. That's not the assignment. Knowing and understanding the power of saying no. Even the stuff you want to do. God's not going to slap you on the hand and say, you better. No, no, no. God's going to say, what are you going to do? Is that going to get your attention this time? We talked about where, where, where the vision was for your house. We talked about the vision for your goal. For some of you, we talked about you saving and having a dynamic savings. But that does require discipline. And God's not going to make you put money over here and save it. God's going to say, I'm going to present to you this amount of money. Will you take a percentage and sow to the kingdom and take a percentage and give to yourself? Or will you take all of it and give it to only the things you want to do? Discipline. Discipline. Touch a neighbor and say, discipline. Number two. We talked about this on last week. Agitation. Another distraction. Agitation. Well, agitation, we said, is something that is uh, intended to trouble you or your nerves. <laughs> to trouble you or your nerves. It is something that is intended to stir you or disturb you. To stir you or disturb you. And we said that God's solution for this particular area is, in fact, his peace. Jesus says in John 14 and verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give, I give unto you. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So I must have the ability to allow trouble to get in my heart or not. I must have the ability to allow fear to get in my heart or not. He says, let not your heart be troubled. So I submit to you, I have the ability to control whether or not agitation gets in on the inside of me because I can walk in the peace of God. Number three, let's look at this. This is where we're going to concentrate this morning. Number three, look over, if you will, at Acts chapter number 16. <clears throat> Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter 16, and we're going to pick up, if you will, Try not to lick my finger, but bless God, sometimes that's the best way to turn the page. Acts chapter number 16. <clears throat> Let's look over here. I'm going to read this out of the New International Version of the Bible. Watch this. <clears throat> the scripture says, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave. Notice it says, Who had a spirit a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Now the King James Bible doesn't say a spirit by which she predicts the future. It says a spirit of divination. A spirit of divination. And we've also talked about in this church a familiar spirit where she was interpreting what they define as things of the future. She was somebody, if you will, that was possessed by the devil. And people were pimping her for this particular gift that she had, the satanic influence, and they were making money off of her. Sounds very similar to what we got going on today. You know, I don't know, I'll say it like this. I was watching something here recently about, y'all remember a couple years ago, uh, Cleo calling me now? They were, they were talking about her life. They had a documentary that I was watching. I was just intrigued by it. And one of the things that I found that was very interesting is they said that the people that knew her, seemed, they said that she seemed to have some kind of a gift, right? But yet, what was going on in her life is there was a group that was pimping her essentially for that gift that she had. 
she, dare I say, probably is very similar to this young lady right here in the scripture. She had a spirit of divination in her where she had the ability to interpret certain things. And let me say it like this. As believers, we can't be fooled by the satanic or the demonic. That's why we spend time talking about these areas so that we can have proper discernment. And we are not Christians that are like, ooh, look at that. <laughs> Notice this, verse 17. The scripture says, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. So she had a spirit of divination on her and she was speaking a truthful statement. You remember Jesus encountered a very situ similar situations where they would say, you are, thou art the son of God, the son, you are the, the Christ. And then the, Jesus would rebuke the devil that's in them. Because the devil knows whether you're not you're anointed or not. Let me say that one more time. The devil knows whether you are anointed or not. And for a lot of folks that are faking the funk, they, 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 the devil don't have a problem with you. But the devil knows whether or not you are showing up with a divine assignment. And what happens is he shows up to distract you away from the mission. In this situation, you would think this was a good thing. But no, this was something that was troubling the prophet of God. Notice as the scripture says, verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Finally, watch this, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said, notice, to the spirit. So Paul is there on divine assignment. He's doing the will of God, the mission of God. And this little girl, this, this slave, this following him around, becoming a distraction. And the scripture literally says, so annoyed. Paul becomes so annoyed at this distraction that he does speak to the distraction. But notice it says, he turned around and said to the spirit. Now some of us, this is where the problem is. We turn around and slap the girl. <laughs> we turn around and cuss the girl out. Because I have gotten, I've gotten up to here. That's enough of this. And so, unlike Paul, we don't speak to the spirit, we speak to the person. Well, I tell you this, here we are. Because that distraction is intended to draw you out into your flesh. That's why it's been showing up. That's why it's been showing up over and over and over and over again because the intent is to draw you away from the position of power to put you in a position where you will get fleshy. Notice he says, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Now, I wonder if Paul, when that happened, did he say, man, I should have did that three days ago. <laughs> this is how I read the scripture. Paul said, well, why, didn't I, why didn't I take the authority then? And I submit that for so, so many of you, that can be the question that you need to ask. Why am I dealing with the devil and trying to deal with the devil carnally? Why don't I deal with the root so that I can change the fruit instead of me just simply trying to deal with the fruit, trying to change the root? He says, finally, he got so annoyed that he began to deal with this area spiritually. Some annoyances can cause internal conflict because it does not always seem wrong. 
What she was saying was the truth, but it was an annoyance to the mission. It was an annoyance to why God sent you there. Annoyances and irritations are designed to wear you out, to exacerbate you. And that's why they are showing up, they're showing up in your life. They are, they are deployed of the devil to wear you out, to make you annoyed, to irritate you. Why do they keep showing up? Because they are there, they're deployed to wear you out. But the problem is, again, you keep looking at the person when God says, I want you to look at the spirit. You keep looking at what they are manifesting instead of looking at the root. Once again, distractions are designed to refocus you away from your mission and your assignment. Now, what is God's solution? I have a lot here, but I, I, we're not going to get to it. What's God's solution to annoyances and irritations? It is his armor. Deal with the root and not the fruit. Deal with the root and not the fruit. Deal with the spiritual thing or deal with things spiritually and not carnal. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to see this out of the voice translation. Ephesians chapter 6. I think the voice is in there. Ephesians chapter 6. Watch this. Verse 10. Out of the voice translation, since we are so familiar with the King James, look at how it reads here. Finally, brothers and sisters, draw your strength and might from God. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God to protect yourselves from the devil and his or the, his evil schemes. Verse 12 says, watch this. We're not waging war against enemies of the flesh, of flesh and blood alone. This is something that Paul understood about this particular distraction. This is a spiritual fight. When you are having this consistent annoyance in your life, this is a spiritual fight. And sometimes God, sometimes God will allow things to continue to manifest because you keep saying, God, you deal with it. And God said, I gave you authority to deal with it. I gave you the power of my blood. I gave the power of my name. And if you don't take authority of it, it's going to continue to be a nuisance to you until you deal with that thing in the realm of the spirit. He says, we're not waging war against flesh and blood, or we're not waging war against enemies in flesh and blood alone. He says, no, out of the voice translation. This fight is against tyrants, against authorities, against spiritual, I'm sorry, supernatural powers, demonic princes, and slanders, and uh, sliders in the darkness of this world, against wickedness, spiritual enemies that lurk about heavenly places. I remember around this same time last year, there was a young man in my office. He was a thorn in my side. I didn't trust him for nothing because something about his character. And one of the things I could not say to the folks that I was working with at the time, but I saw it on him. There was something on him because he turned into two different kind of people. He'd be cussing folk out in the parking lot on the phone. And somebody, and one of them at the time, my secretary said, yeah, I heard him in the parking lot one day. He was cussing up something to somebody. It's like Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And but when he's in the office and he needed to get some act right, he would act right. And even at then, at times, he couldn't even cover that because there was something in him. And I remember I did not deal with him in my flesh, even though my flesh was screaming, man, you ain't got to take this. Go down there and tell him about himself. God said, don't deal with him this way. But what I used to do, I can say this now because we, we got enough separation. What I used to do when everybody was gone, I would walk down the hallways and just take authority in the name of Jesus. 
We're going to have peace in this hall. We're going to have peace in this office. Everybody's going to get along. And if they are not going to get along, they are going to have to leave in the name of Jesus. And I would do this when nobody was there. This is how you keep your job. Let me, let me little caveat. You see, Christians are going to be spooky Christians. Walk up and down the hall while folk in there and they say, what you doing? I'm having a prayer meeting down in the hallway. Man, this is how you lose your job. Okay? You get your oil and you do all of this. You, bless God that gave you keys so you pray. You believe God. So the day came where he sent in his resignation. And <laughs> my other co-worker said, boy, we felt like we could pop champagne. <laughs> we, I remember the morning he came in to turn in his badge and everything. And somebody told me the day before, well, he might not leave. He might do this. And uh, I said, no, I think he's going to leave. He came in, put his badge down, walked back out the back door, locked the door and everything. And then next thing we saw, he called his car going around the side. And just like that, it was over. That distraction was done. But the distraction didn't leave because I dealt with it in the flesh. The distraction left because I dealt with it in the spirit. Now, like Paul, I would love to see an immediate response. I said, in the name of Jesus. And next thing you know, he's gone. But now it took a little while for that to happen. But the office now operates in a different flow, in a different flavor, because we pray for the folks that are in there now. I believe everyone that God has sent to the office that I work in during the day, God sent to that office for a particular reason. And I'm just trying to discern, God, what? why did you send us this particular secretary? Why did you send me this particular person down the hall here? Why did you send me that one? Why did you say, what is your assignment? Because my focus is on the assignment and not the distractions. We got to become people that God can use. And it's easy to say amen to that until you understand that means we've got to become people that are not moved by distractions. I'm not going to get in my flesh. I'm not going to allow something that seems positive to grab my attention. I'm not going to allow these areas to pull me away from the mission and the assignment. We're going to pick up here on next Sunday at number four. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus. Lord, we take authority over every satanic and demonic force that's been dispatched against the assignment and the mission. God, we speak to the root of the issue and we say you cease from your maneuvers against the, a divine assignment from heaven. In the name of Jesus, you've deployed us for a mission. You deployed us to be light in darkness. And so, Lord, we won't be moved by the distractions that the devil sends to pull us away from that mission and that assignment. And, God, we even repent in areas where we've used our mouth to complain. You don't call us to failure. And so, Lord, by faith, even when we see failure, we still see victory. Even we, we see the manifestation of things not going right, things not working the way we will want them to. God, we thank you that your word says that we are victorious.
You are the God that always causes us to triumph. And so, Lord, we'll focus on the victory and not the problems. And we thank you, Lord, that even this issue, these areas, these temporaries, God, are subject to change. And so we praise you in advance. We praise you that we're not distressed. We praise you that we're not cast down. We praise you that we're not being forsaken. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone to say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's giving time. Amen. Praise God. It is giving time. Let's turn over. Reading out of Acts a few moments ago, and let me just say this since we all are aware of this, you know, Acts is the book that we are reading this month 28 chapters, 28 days. You can go ahead and read all 28 in the first day, bless God, that's fine, knock it on out, praise God, have some discipline. But 28 days, 28 chapters, amen. Proverbs chapter number three. Proverbs chapter number three. Verse number nine. I'm reading this out of the King James Version of the Bible. And it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and the first fruits of all thine increase. Honor the Lord. You know, when you give where God tells you to give, it's because it is, or it should be, from the position of honor. The only reason why I have the ability to give is because God gave me the ability to even acquire the wealth. He's the one that gave me the power to get the wealth. And he says, honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits of all thine increase. And he says, all right, when you do this, he says, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. When you decide to honor God, he says, I'm going to honor you. Your barn, your accounts shall be filled with plenty. And your presses shall burst out with new wine. New wine means new anointings. New wine means, or literally, it, it, it can be uh, uh, connected to the new concept that you believe in God for. How am I going to understand this differently? How am I going to see something that everybody else can't see? He says, that's what new wine is. When I honor God with what he's given me, he says, when you do that, sow the seed first. He says, what I'm going to give you is going to be abundance, and I'm going to give you ideas and witty concepts for how to expand. And all of that comes about with you first honoring him. Three ways that you can sow into the training center. Number one is by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. Second way is by way of our online giving, which is www.thetrainingcenter-church.org. And of course, you can sow by way of our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 2358 Gastonia, North Carolina, 28053. And of course, you can sow live and in the house, always all received by this ministry. And we thank you for whatever seed that the Spirit of God is indeed telling you and leading you to sow and for your obedience in regards to that. We are preparing for this year, and we have a lot of things that 
are taking place in this year, and I, we're just believing God for expansion, and we're believing God for the best, in fact, yet to come. But we also understand in order for us to move into those areas, it's going to require some money. And so one of the ways that God gets money to the kingdom is by prospering you. He prospers you so you can be in a position that you can sow into the kingdom of God. And so one of the things I've seen in the life of this ministry is that it is that money comes from all kinds of different places. Some folks have given and sown into this ministry that have never set foot on this church premise at all. And so I'm never moved by what I see. I'm moved by what he said. God has the ability to supply everything that he calls. And this year we have to make sure, and even in our church, in the church budget, that we're not moved by what we see. We're moved by the assignment. God can put us over. So we thank you for your obedience to the Spirit of God in regards to your giving. Let us set ourselves in agreement with those that are, in fact, sowing and have already sown online. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow. We thank you, Lord, you are the one that gives us the power to, in fact, get wealth. We thank you, Lord, that we believe that we receive our barns to be full because we honor you. We thank you for new wine because we honor you with our very substance. We thank you, Lord, because we're titers and we're givers that the windows of heaven are open up over our house in which the blessing of God is flowing. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that rebukes the devourer for our sake because of our seed. We thank you, Lord, that because of the fact we are cheerful, prompt to do it, givers, that the grace of God, the favor of God is abounding towards us. And so, Father, for every seed that is sown into this house in the name of Jesus, I just set myself in agreement with those seeds that your promises are sure to come to pass in their life. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Everyone did say amen. Well, once again, we want to announce and make reference to the fact that we have our marriage seminar on this coming Saturday. This coming Saturday at 1130. Glory to God. We want to spend a, a really a, a brunch time with you, if you will, talking about the power of agreement, doing life together. And we want to invite you to be a part of that if you are a married couple. Someone uh, inboxed us and asked, well, can engaged couples come? Man, bless God, get here. I think engaged couples definitely need to come on, <laughs> be a part of uh, this marriage seminar as well. So yes, if you have a patrol, bless God, come on out. Praise God and be a part of the marriage seminar on this coming Saturday at 1130. Amen. Praise God. We also will see you here for our midweek service, our midweek, I'm sorry, Bible study on this coming Thursday. Amen. Well, unless you need personal prayer or ministry, you may be dismissed. May the grace of God, the favor of God abound towards you this week in the assignment that God has called you and set your feet in, in Jesus' name, amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 6.45 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. 
Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.